And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today is my wife, Debbie. Hi, Dan. And our little granddaughter. And on the phone line, our guest is Rachel Jankovic. Rachel, it's great to have you with us today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Now, Rachel, you're a, you're a wife and you're a mother of seven children. You're also an author. How on earth do you find time to write and raise seven children? That's, first of all, what I want to know. <laughs> um, well, I guess I would say I actually, I'm not a person who writes every day, necessarily. I, I like to think I think every day, uh, and, I, and I talk <laughs> to my husband and talk about ideas, but usually by the time I'm writing, I write quickly. You know, like when I have the moment to actually sit down and write, I write quickly. Yes. So it's not like reflective hours at a coffee shop. That's right. Well, to me, Rachel, I really liked the shortness of your chapters, and that really facilitated someone on a busy schedule on the other end, your reader, um, just saying, I've got five minutes, I'm going to read a chapter of Rachel's book, and it's perfect. (laughs) Yes, you're talking about uh, Loving the Little Years? Yes, I am. Yeah, that one actually, that still makes me laugh, because if I pick it up, I think it reads like very breathless. (laughs) <laughs> bulletin from some someone who might be might be locked in the bathroom writing the chapter. And with, with, pretty much exactly what it was. Yeah, I bet with children knocking on the door or squeezing too much toothpaste or something, right? Yeah. Well, and actually, it was my my fi- at the time it was my um, five month old fifth child sitting in a bumpo seat on the table facing me right beside my computer. Yes. While I was trying to get that one written. <laughs> yeah. And can we tell what you're doing right now as we're interviewing you, Rachel? It sounds like you're busy doing something, not just sitting here Do chatting. Do I sound like I'm, like I'm hustling around now? I am actually. That's great. Uh, I am cleaning my house because we have a parish group here tonight, so I think oh. I have about 50 or 60 people coming for dinner. Oh, my. So, my. My. This is why I am on the hustle today. <laughs> and you agree to this interview with all that hanging over your head. Well, thank you very, very much for that. <laughs> no, it's my pleasure. Now, um, your children, you have seven children. It reminds me of a story I heard years ago where the pastor's wife goes out into town and she's got like eight kids or ten or whatever and she's asked are these all yours or is this a picnic and she answers these are all mine and it ain't no picnic she goes (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and sometimes it feels like more than you can bear and yet these these blessed children are a gift from god just a quick word uh, when children come along how do you view the children and even though it's a lot of work um, i think it's a at least in my own experience it was a real act of of i would say maybe the first major thing in my christian life where you had to consciously think this is my profession of faith let me grab hold of that and live it you know yes. like i cannot um the, we believe what god says about children that this is a blessing that they're an inheritance, that this is, you know, there's all kinds of biblical, wonderful principles about children, but what that, that doesn't always automatically harmonize for us with how we feel mm. right away. 
Um, and so I feel I, I, in my own experience, I was, I wanted children just to be clear, but my husband and I laughed that our, um, I think we only had one out of all seven of our children. I think only one time were we not surprised by being pregnant. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, did we expect to have seven? No. No. You know? um, <clears throat> and did we, the first four for us were really close together because we had um, our oldest daughter and then 18 months later, our second, and then 18 months later, we had twins. Oh, my. So that <laughs> that first four That's in great. three years wow. was a real, it was a real, we loved it and we we were delighted, but we were also, there's lots of opportunities there to have to reign in your own heart. You know, it's like, right. knock it off. Don't talk like this is a burden. Don't act like this is a burden. You know, um, probably one of my favorite reflections that has been with us through many years in which I think we actually say to each other often, <laughs> probably started around there, which is that fruit is heavy. You know, bringing in a, a big harvest is hard work. Amen. <laughs> and Amen. It's heavy. And, it's, and, and that you can't mistake that the fact that this is a lot of work or the fact that this is really heavy with meaning that something's wrong. Yes. You know, like if your if your apple tree has tons and tons and tons of apples, it doesn't mean it's doing a bad job. It means that it's it's but it's heavy. It's hard work. You're having to you're having to harvest that. Mm. Absolutely. Yes. You also are very engaged with church life. You mentioned that you've got people coming over tonight, yeah. and um, I, I don't know how you get it all done. You, you just, um, I guess it's okay not to shoot for perfection. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess it is, too. I actually, I actually think that there's an awful lot of um, spiritual lessons in trying to do a lot, and it's not a popular... It's not a popular way to mm. approach your spiritual life. It's not at all what people think is wise. Mm. Um, right now, all of the things people will tell you is, you know, be careful. You know, give yourself a lot of rest or uh, whatever. And I think that there's so much wonderful, wonderful spiritual lessons in fruit in trying to work really hard for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And letting letting God shape you in that, because um, I guess an example I use sometimes is it's almost like you're thinking, "Oh Lord, I want to do some, you know, thoughtful. Like I want to make some beautiful meal that will glorify you, and I'm going to do this all really thoughtfully." And you start out that way, like this is a good idea, yes, <laughs> you know, yes. this will this will be good, and then it seems like as time goes by. It's like, wait, I thought I was going to do a really thoughtful thing, and instead, somehow this turned into, like, we call it frantic pancakes. Like, <laughs> in, in, we're like, somehow, instead of it being a beautiful, well-thought-out, you know, thing, it's, it feels far more frantic. You know, it's far more like, okay, we got to do this, we got to do this, but, but the real blessing has been, you know, if you can look over your shoulder and see what God is doing with it. What feels like this frantic offering on your part 
it's far more beautiful when it's offered to him. Exactly. In the, in the sense of if you really let go of trying to make the outcome what you want, but instead make the whole thing a living sacrifice. <laughs> like, Lord, we want to glorify you and letting it and letting the way that that happens shape your own expectations and ideals, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, this gets us around to, I think it's your latest book, um, You Who, Why You Matter and How to Deal With It. And in that book, you, you talk about Christians obeying Christ in a regular way, doing regular things mm-hmm. in regular time with regular skills and ability. That's liberating, isn't it? When we get to that point, we realize just the normal plodding along and doing a good, faithful job is what the Lord is looking for. Totally. And I, another thing that has always kind of blessed me is I think, you know, there are some real heroes of the faith. Um, like I like to think, I'm sure that there were martyrs who, when they were being martyred, were thinking that they had messed up somehow. Yes. You know, like thinking like, thinking like, ah, oh, like someone who was wiser would not have gotten into this situation, you know, or somebody would. <laughs> and it just, it feels like, no, do obey God where you are and let mm-hmm. him be responsible for what kind of fruit that produces. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think you earlier in your book, you talk about how that we often tend to listen to the wrong voices, the wrong philosophies. And um, any any comment about that, uh, the, who to listen to, as it were? Um, I think the harder job right now, I think Christians, for the most part, know that they should be listening to God's Word, or they should <laughs> be listening to faithful preachers. But because they're not really familiar with God's Word, uh, they don't notice how many things that they're listening to that actually are in total defiance of that. You know, mm. so so they think on the one hand, they're like, oh, yes, of course I'm a Christian, of course. You know, they, they're, they don't think they're denying anything, really. Um, but what they're doing is listening to worldly teachers who are everywhere, you know, on Pinterest and in your recipe introductions and and really anywhere you know someone someone sends you an encouraging meme like most christian women are so unfamiliar with i i want to say deeper thinking almost like recognizing what are the underpinnings of this belief like um and and because of that lack of familiarity with it we just buy into things that are completely um not just not Christian, they're anti-Christian. You know, it's, um, and a lot of women buy into it without ever noticing they are doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, today we're talking with Rachel Jankovic, and uh, she is the author of a couple of books, probably more, but at least uh, You Who, Why You Matter and How to Deal With It, and Loving the Little Years. And Rachel, what other books are, have you authored? Uh, one more book with Canon Press, which is called uh, Fit to Burst, Abundance, Mayhem, and Joy, which is kind of a follow-up on Loving the Little Years. Um, and then, yeah, that's it. I've contributed to other books, mostly through Desiring God articles that they have put in collections, but those yes. are the only ones that I have actually written. Yeah. In this, I think it's the latest book, You Who... You talk about planting flags, 
And um, without giving away too much of what's in the book, can you at least tell us, what do you mean by planting flags? Uh, Okay, so in the first part of the book, I try to expose some of those um, assumptions that we have bought in from the world. You know, like what is actually the godless philosophies that we have taken on board that are actually cheating us of our inheritance in Christ. You know, like we're just giving away valuable things for those philosophies. The second part of the book, which that chapter uh, is part of, is more about trying to uh, trying to help women who have bought into a lot of lies uh, get some kind of an imagination for what it actually looks like to live as a Christian. You know, what does it actually mean to live according to what you mm. uh, profess? You know, what does it look like? Um, so that particular chapter... I talk about planting flags like you are an explorer almost, you know, you're, you represent Christ wherever you are. And that sometimes, uh, it's, it's just, I think, good practice (laughs) for Christians to, I I am describing a situation where you basically say, I'm in the middle of this mess, but you offer it to God and you say, Lord, my work here belongs to you. Glorify your name in Mm -hmm. it. You know, like your, your servant is here. And I'm planting a kingdom flag here because Amen. here is where I will glorify you. Amen. And so wherever it is that you that you are, you know, if you find yourself married to an unbeliever and in a really difficult situation, plant that flag that is, Lord, here your servant will glorify you. You know, here is where I'm going to do that. And so the only way I'm really talking about doing that is praying, you know, offering it to God. But doing that shapes our own approach to it anyway. You know, it shapes your idea of what you're doing there. Yes. Um, You mentioned this in connection with uh, worshiping God, and it's like when things start to get organized in your head with respect to God, it's then we start to realize how, how little our troubles are. They seem huge at times. Can you talk to that just, <laughs> yeah. just a little bit? Well, I think the greatest that I'm not going to be able to quote it exactly, but it's that wonderful passage about this momentary affliction, uh, which is working for us the exceedingly great glory. You know, like mm. right now we're just living the really tiny side. <laughs> you know, like in light of eternity, our whole life is so short. You know, in, in light of eternity, there's no trial. You know, there's no trial that can fit into heaven. You know, like, you're, you just bear it as you can here mm-hmm. for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyways, basically, yeah, just, just basically trying to get an actual perspective that what we believe should affect the way you live. Because if you believe uh, that all of this is working for us, this glory somewhere else, then that gives you an awful lot of reason to be faithful here. Yes, I get the impression that um, you're not one who is lazy. Um, I, the other day, I was sharing. <laughs> I was sharing with a brother in, in another interview um, how that I was reading in Nehemiah, and uh, I shared it with Deb too. And when Nehemiah gets the burden of rebuilding the walls and building mm-hmm. these gates, and the, the different men participate. There was one class of men who didn't want to work. They were lazy, essentially, the nobles. And um, 
that's a sad commentary that now it's recorded in God's word that those nobles were not willing to work, and yet everybody else was. Even the leaders over multiple peoples mm-hmm. got right down there, got their hands dirty, and they worked. And they were building the wall. They were building the gates, and uh, that truly glorified God. And and He does not want mm-hmm. us to be. He doesn't want us to be lazy, does He? <laughs> I would say certainly not, but. I also would say I, I um, see from the same passage it says the people had a mind to work. Yes, and and that and that is something that I think, of course, we can only be empowered by the Holy Spirit to want to Amen. work really hard. You know, like because we have to know that. But it's also true that I have found many times that the thing that destroys the desire to work for people is that they just think it doesn't matter. Mm. You know, they they can't see why it... And so that, I love that, that the people had a mind to work. Amen. Uh, because it doesn't, it doesn't give you the impression that they just couldn't help themselves because they were little worker bees. You know, it was like, it's not like, oh, they just were the busy sort. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. they had a mind to work because they actually knew what they were doing it for. That is so very true. I see my wife... And she's with us today here in the studio along with one of our grandchildren. And she works all the time, it seems. And she's able to do things I can't do. She multiplexes. Uh, like you're doing right now, Rachel. You're doing this interview and you're cleaning your house at the same time. That's really cool. <laughs> so I'm folding uh, clothes, to be, to be real specific. <laughs> my hat's off to homemakers that can do so much in parallel. I don't know how they they get it all done. Another thing that you're involved with, and today we're talking with Rachel Jankovic, besides um, raising seven children. And uh, by the way, how do you educate your children? Is there a school that you send them to? Uh, Yes. All seven of my kids now are, uh, I have one who's still just half days, but all seven of them are at school. Uh, and they go to Logos School. It's the school that I went to. It was the first uh, school in the classical school movement oh, yes. in America, really. It was the first school. It was the kickoff. So back when I was there, uh, it was just getting started pretty much. But, yeah, so my kids would do that. Well, God has really blessed the classical school movement. They're all over the United States now and probably various parts over the world. So is there any summary that you could give? How do you think the classical school movement is doing? Well, I think it's doing great. I mean, it's growing all the time. Um, and I, I would assume that there are places. So we would say Logos is a is a uh, classical Christ-centered education. So even though it's classical, it refers to the methodology, kind of the pedagogy, you know, the way that we're teaching uh, the way that we're teaching children, yes. as well as some of the subjects, um, because they, you know, my third grader is just starting Latin. Um, my amazing. kids all do have all taken Latin, and they love Latin. Um, <laughs> wow. But anyways, they uh, that so some subjects, you know, and by in high school they're taking apologetics and rhetoric and classical history and classical lit. You know, so there's some of the subjects, but the bigger part uh, is about matching sort of developmental abilities and age range with the kind of 
learning you're focusing on. So Mm -hmm. when they're really little, it's all, you know, when they love to sing little songs and just memorize information, you know, um, they do tons of chants and songs and state facts and just tons of, tons of input, you know, tons of memorization and tons of enjoying what they love to do, Mm. uh, which is just learning, 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 you know, so... If you go to one of our kids' assemblies in elementary, some class will do a recitation. And it could be on really any subject, but the whole class will line up and just recite a huge thing with each kid taking a different part. And so they'll say, you know, they're giving history of something or whatever. Um, And it's amazing because they practice it, they learn it, but almost any of the kids could fill in any of the spots. You know, they end up just taking in so much, you know, the way they do that. Then the next phase is when they really love to be right when they're in junior high and and they're starting to be arguers. Um, At that phase, instead of what often happens, which is parents sort of scaring away from it, like, oh, no, my child is arguing with me. You know, like, don't do that. Don't argue. Uh, Instead of that, it's sort of like, I know you want to argue, so if you're going to do it, at least do it well. You know, like, let's learn logic, let's learn, let's have you practice debating, let's have you learn all the fallacies and practice catching your schoolmates using the the fallacies. Um, And so that's that's the PERT phase. And then the next phase is poetic, where the kids really are far more, they start to be interested in self-expression. It's a real emphasis on literature and rhetoric, like how to, how to give a good speech, how to be persuasive, um, Etc. How to express yourself well in poetry, that kind of thing. So it's often called the three three R's, right, Rachel? Like um, rote, reason, and rhetoric. Yes, or Paul Parrot, pert and poetic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <That's, laughs> the three P's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. I was going to say Logos is very um, emphasizes all of these things where every subject that the kids learn uh, should be anchored. In Christ, and everything That's is right. about fundamentally. It's not. It's not just the learning method. It's that we think Christ is the exactly. source of all wisdom and all knowledge, and that math ties into the character of God, and that nothing is outside of His, um, outside of Him. Oh, that is absolutely the truth, and I, I really. Really appreciate that. Um, we're just about out of time, believe it or not. This went quick. Uh, today we've been talking with Rachel Jankovic. Uh, she is uh, a wife, mother of seven children, author of You Who, Why You Matter and How to Deal With It, Loving the Little Years, and also Fit to Burst, Abundance, Mayhem, and the Joys of Motherhood. So, dear listener, we'd advise you to look those titles up. Uh, they are on Amazon and and order them if at all possible. And Rachel, uh, uh, one last question. I, I've noticed also that you're heavily involved with a ladies' Bible reading challenge and that sort of thing. Um, how is that going, and uh, is that open to others or just within your church? No, it's wide open to others. We, we can't wait to get other people to do it. Um, I am really involved with the ladies' side of it, but it is not just the ladies' Bible reading challenge. It is uh, for anybody, anybody who wants to read the Bible. Uh, Our emphasis is on basically getting good Bible reading habits, being in the Word constantly, 
and enjoying that kind of, we call it table fellowship with other believers uh, who are also feasting on the same passages of scripture every day. And it's, it's a really funny thing that I talked to a woman on the phone, a couple women on the phone the other day who are doing it also. And we've never spoken in person, but we were all talking about Jacob's uh, blessings to his children because everybody had read it that day. Oh yes, <laughs> like, that's really uh, neat. We all, we'd all just been reading it. Um, the website is to the word.com and we provide all the print printouts and there's apps and things. Um, you can use those. You can put your own church's logo on the front of them, use them. It's everything is copyright free. We really want as many people to be uh, reading God's word. Oh, as that's we wonderful. Can possibly persuade to, um, the plan is on you version also, and I think there's typically, we just finished same page summer, which is the New Testament in the summer, and I think we probably had around 40, maybe 45,000 people doing it all around oh, the world oh my, together. That's wonderful. I was going to ask you what book you ladies were reading, and I'm so pleased to hear that it's a Bible. Mm. That's, that's really great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, there is. A, it is not a, it's not a study. It's, so we say we're not trying to teach God's Word. We're trying to teach a love of God's Word. Yes. And um, so our 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 purpose is not to like be teaching doctrine to everyone. It's to be helping people to overcome whatever obstacles have kept them from the Word. Uh, and really, just that's what we do. We try to enjoy God's Word together. Enjoy uh, it rather right. than we're not arguing over it. We say we're theologically diverse, but literally on the same page. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, well said. Um, yeah, it's, that's been a great, a really sweet, great thing. There's a lot. Turns out there's a lot of unity in believers who love God's word. Well, we're out of time. Rachel Jankovic has been our guest today. Rachel, thank you so much for taking your busy, busy time and joining our listeners. No problem. Thanks for having me. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. 